Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. What a joy it is to come into your home again. I love to just join with you in your home and hope you can share a little bit of what is happening in our home. Today, I'm going to welcome into our podcast, uh, Meadow Campbell. Hall. Hall, that's right. Meadow (laughs) is now married. In fact, she wasn't even Meadow. Campbell wasn't even my maiden You weren't even Meadow Campbell. You were Meadow Barrett. Can you believe it, ladies? I I, I still call um, my daughters. I'll, I'll call up on the phone. Call Serene. Campbell. Oh, that's right. Serene Allison. Or call uh, Evangeline Campbell. Oh, 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 oh. Um, I mean, Evangeline <laughs> Johnson. And, uh, oh, uh, it's amazing how it's so hard to get used to the new name, even after all these years. Well, many of you know Meadow as Pearl's oldest daughter, Pearl of Serene and Pearl, Trim Healthy Mama. And Meadow herself is also involved in social media uh, with Trim Healthy Mama. But Meadow is now married, of course. She has a new name, Meadow Hall. She is married to the most wonderful guy, Kendall. We all love him. And they now have this most precious, gorgeous little baby boy, Warren Charles. And uh, he's just doing so well. And Meadow is the most beautiful mother. You're enjoying it, Meadow? Oh, yes. I love motherhood so much. Um, it really turns your life upside down, but it's, there's nothing more fulfilling. And it, it really, really teaches you how to become more Christ-like and selfless, yes. I think. Like, I really have yes. to give up other parts of me, but... Um, there's nothing more fulfilling. So worth yes. it. I, I think that is so true. In fact, I don't think that we learn to do it all at once. Um, I, I think as I look back on my mothering that I, I kind of learned to do it little by little. I do think that my daughters and my beautiful granddaughters have an advantage and that they've been surrounded with the joy and the love and the uh, just promotion of motherhood. And, and I think that helps toward embracing motherhood. When I came into motherhood, I, I didn't have that around me. So I was kind of having to find out for myself. And, and uh, I remember it took time to, to just lay down my life. In fact, with every baby, I learned to lay down more. And I remember when Serene arrived, my sixth baby, and I think I mothered her more totally, more completely than even 
all my other babies, even though I just totally adored and loved every one of them. But I had learned to give more of myself. And I think motherhood does take time. It takes time to learn to give of yourself. And in that we find ourselves. That's a wonderful thing. I am, I am such well, I'm such a great believer in the word of God, of course, but that scripture where Jesus said, he that will lose his life uh, will, no, he that will save his life will lose it. But he that mm-hmm. will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall find it. Now, those are the words of Jesus Therefore, they are eternal words. They are an eternal principle. And they cannot be denied. They work. When we try to save our lives, pamper our lives, and try to make everything work around us, we actually lose. But when we come to that place of laying down our lives, losing our lives for the sake of others, for the sake of my baby, for the sake of my family. And as we lose our lives, we find an amazing thing happens. We mm-hmm. find our lives. We find life. And, and so many women think, oh, you know, I want to find my life. Well, you don't find your life by finding your life. You find your life by losing your life. It's an eternal principle. And you're finding that too. Oh, yes. That's so good, Nana. That reminds me of, remember that um, baby shower that you held for Kendall and I? And we yes. had, it was so amazing. Instead of just like a ladies' baby shower, we had um, couples come. So we had um, mothers and fathers there. And we had um, parents speak to Kendall and I and give us marriage advice. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was when my mom was talking to us, she was saying that when she had me, she was like, whoa, like there's there's no more me in anymore because she had to give up all her time but then she realized this is me and I remembered that and like now that I take care of my baby I realize this is me this is my most important job this is who I am now I'm a mother yes oh I I think that's another wonderful revelation you are so blessed Meadow to have caught that revelation now in the beginning of your motherhood that as a mother that's who I am I'm me. I'm a mother. That's who God created us to be. And that is a sad thing. So many women are frustrated. They're trying to be everything else than who God created them to be. A mother. I feel the same way, Nana. And I... Um, I just feel so saddened that so many um, women of my generation, mm. especially, they feel like they need to wait a few years, like wait maybe five or ten years before they settle down and have children because they have to be successful first. Mm. As if mother being a mother is not successful, as if it's not the most important job. And so what my desire is to just show these other women with how I mother and how I live my life, how how important this is and how this this is um, my most important job and why would I want to go chase other things that because that doesn't make me more important. That's so true. And uh, Meadow has a real burden to reach 
those of her generation. And I think that's so wonderful. I hope we have all mothers listening today, older mothers. Oh, I really trust, dear older mothers, that you're still interested in motherhood. Can I just share something that's burdening me at the moment? In fact, it burdens me every time a new Above Rubies goes out. By the way, have you got your new magazine? It's all out in the nation now. But when a new magazine goes out, we have changes of addresses and cancellations. But one of the things that saddens me more than anything else is when older mothers write to me and say, thank you, Nancy, for all these years of blessing me with Above Rubies. But my children have grown now. I'm in a new season, so I don't need any more magazines. And my heart wants to cry. Because, dear precious mothers, we never change from being a mother. And when our children grow... That's not the end of our mothering. In fact, it is the launching into a greater realm of motherhood. It is a launching in to a calling that God has mandated in his word for the older mothers to teach and encourage the younger mothers. And I think, what are these older mothers doing? Okay, I'm finished with that, thank you. Well, Are they doing anything to encourage the new generation? What about their own daughters and daughters-in-law? They need above rubies for them. And like in any profession, any profession, uh, you have to have refresher courses. And I do, do believe that we as older mothers need refresher courses. We need to come back to the Word. In fact, I, as an older mother of now not only grandchildren, but great-grandchildren, I am still in the Word saying, Oh God, please show me more understanding and revelation of your heart for women, for mothers, for wives. I want to know the fullness of your plan and purpose because I have this responsibility to teach the younger mothers. And so I hope Precious older mothers are getting a little refresher each time we do a podcast so you can be life and water and encouragement to the young mothers of this coming generation. And I hope all the middling mothers in the midst of raising your families are listening and the young mothers like Meadow. (laughs) Now, Meadow, I know you have many burning convictions on your heart about many things uh, I think our young mothers face in this generation. Tell mm-hmm. me about something. What do you want to share about? Well, one, um, something that really grieves my heart about a lot of women in my generation is that we no longer value this virtue that everyone used to value more, mm. and that's modesty. Yes. I believe modesty is a dying virtue in our culture. And especially it seems that women of my generation just want to completely disregard it. And sadly, Meadow, I have noticed that that's not only in the secular world. Mm -hmm. I am noticing it in the so-called Christian world. Yes. 
It's true. Yes, I have noticed that, um, you know, we used to, modesty has been a, a very big debate among Christians for a long time. And, you know, I don't, I don't like it as something that we argue and quarrel about all the time. But I believe that it is important because basically it all comes down to respect. Mm. It's respecting other people. Mm. But um, basically what women are arguing about these days is that I should wear whatever I want and whatever I feel like because if this bothers men or if this causes men to stumble, that's their problem. And they should not lust and they should just look away. Doesn't sound like, am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> no, because the Bible actually says, well, first of all, it says to let the woman dress modestly. And that means that we are supposed to dress in a way that is respectful and considerate to others in our culture. But it also says that we are not to become a stumbling block to the weak. Um, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9. So, if you, let's just say that um, an alcoholic was offering alcohol, uh, I mean, someone was offering alcohol to an alcoholic, and that alcoholic became drunk again, and he stumbled back into his sin. Well, he would be guilty of his sin, but the person offering him alcohol is still guilty because he presented a stumbling block. Well, the same rule applies to modesty. Like someone can be guilty for choosing to lust, but another one, the person who purposely created themselves to be a stumbling block can still be guilty for that too. Mm. Yes, I think it's something that we have to uh, really face in this hour in which we live. In fact, I think of a, a story, Meadow, of when we lived back on the Gold Coast of Australia and where your mother spent all her teen years. And uh, the Gold Coast of Australia is really perhaps, it's a playground. It's a, it's a place of um, you know, beautiful weather and beach and surf and sand. And uh, mm -hmm. we spent 10 years there um, just beginning and growing a church, but it was a challenging place to live, and uh, it was very fleshly, and people wore hardly anything, and in fact, you know, our church was right, it was right, there it was, and then on the left was the Pacific Ocean, and that's where we baptized people, and uh, we used to say we had the biggest baptismal pool in the world, <laughs> but to go down to that baptismal pool, oh my, you'd have to have blinkers on your eyes to pass topless bathers. And then on the right-hand side of our church was Jupiter's Casino. So we were in the middle of the devil's playground, but uh, we were always very hospitable and every Sunday we invited people home to our home for a meal and often we'd have 30 or 40 people around our uh, dinner table or different tables because my husband and I would invite people and then our children would invite people and we'd just fill the place. One time I saw uh, a stranger and got talking to her and found she was from the States. 
So I said to her, come on home, come and have some fellowship. She was staying at the casino and her parents had paid for all the family to come and have a big reunion and they were staying in Jupiter's Casino. And so she was so glad to come and get some Christian fellowship. So she enjoyed it and I said, come back next Sunday. And, uh, but however, during the week, I got a call. Uh, Nancy, uh, sorry, I'm just calling to say that I won't be coming home to dinner this Sunday. She said, I'm leaving. Leaving? Yes, she said, I cannot stay in this place any longer. You see, I come from the South. Well, I didn't know what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Anyway, okay, she's going home. It wasn't until a few years later that we came to the South, to Nashville, to the buckle on the Bible Belt. And we came from the fleshly place of the Gold Coast of Australia, where people were hardly clothed. And all of a sudden, my eyes met a different sight. Oh, wow. People are clothed. And I couldn't believe how that although... We hated that kind of lifestyle. It's amazing how you can even get used to living in it. But this lady was just there for a while and she couldn't take it. She had to get out of it. But the sad thing is, that was, goodness me, we came to the States in 1991. And back there, it was conservative in the church, very conservative. And everybody was fully clothed. It was wonderful. It was amazing. We could hardly believe that we were living in such a place. Oh, it was so incredible. But now, all these years later, goodness me, is that about 27 years later, it is not like that anymore in the church, even in Nashville, in the buckle on the Bible Belt. Because you can go to a church and you see cleavage and women are showing so much of themselves and this is in the church. What has happened? Mm -hmm. Well, part of it is just, um, you know, the change of fashion and modesty changes with the culture, but that doesn't always mean just because other people are wearing this, Mm. I should too. And even though even though the Bible says that modesty is important, it does say that it's in there. Uh, I know that some people can take this to a very extreme where it becomes mm. legalism. Yes. And I've known people who have come from a background where they were they came from a very legalistic family and you know they always had to wear shirts to their collarbone or or skirts to their toes and and they almost made it was like a religion mm. and it wasn't just about respect at that point. It was about mm. um it it became pride. And the thing is, modesty isn't just about the clothes you're wearing. It's a matter of the heart. Mm -hmm. So if you're not making it a heart issue, you can become one extreme or the other. Mm -hmm. You can either become super legalistic and and judgy and, and trying to go over the top and trying to draw attention to yourself for the wrong reason, for a self-righteous reason, Or you could go to the other extreme where you dress like the world and you Mm -hmm. make yourself a stumbling block and you don't represent Christ because God says in everything we do, 
do for the glory of God. Mm. So that should even um, account for the way that we dress. Exactly. And I think that everything is a heart issue, mm-hmm. isn't it? And self-righteousness stinks. Yes. It, it does. And it has to be the heart. But at the same time, I do believe that when something is, an, is a heart issue, it reveals itself on the outside. So it reveals how we dress. We're not going to um, become legalistic and wear long sacks and look so boring oh, and no. horrible. Because, uh, you know, Mero, I love that scripture. Back when God is telling them uh, about how to, um, you know, how to do the tabernacle and all the furniture, and then he goes on to a chapter about the clothing of the priests and the clothing of the high priest. And I always love the scripture where God says that he is going to clothe the high priest. And these are the words he uses. For glory and for beauty. Mm-hmm. God loves glorious clothes. God loves beautiful clothes because he is a God who loves beauty and color. He, he created color. He created beauty. Just look at some of the animals and birds and the That's color so good, and Nana. the glory of them. It's amazing. And the high priest's clothing, um, it was <clears throat> it was amazing. It were, the, the breastplate was just, had 12 sparkling, amazing jewels. And, and uh, on the ephod, there were also 12 beautiful gems. Um, and uh, it was full of purple and, and uh, scarlet and glory and everything. And, and so in dressing modestly, we also dress beautifully and for the glory of God. Oh, yes. Yes, I agree with that. This is coming from someone um, who has always loved fashion. I love fashion and I love to wear dresses. And um, Rashida and I, when we were younger, we would just draw pictures of all of these dresses and our designs and this fashion. And oh, we just loved it. And so I'm not saying that if you're going to be modest, you need to be boring and frumpy and never, never in fashion. You can still be in fashion and wear beautiful and, and cute clothes, but you can do it in a way that's still respectful. Yes, and covered. I yes. do believe that that is very important. In fact, it's interesting, Meadow, that you should be talking about this because... Uh, some time ago, I was uh, just into the Word, came across a scripture, and this is how I read the Word. Some people say, uh, what do you do? Do you read so many chapters a day, uh, or what do you do? Well, I have to confess, no, I don't keep to so many chapters a day. There was a time when I just used to um, try and read the Word through every six months. I don't do that now, because... Oh, there's just too much in it to go too quickly. And so I read until I see something that grabs me and then I pour into it. So recently I was just reading in Genesis about when Adam and Eve had sinned. And of course they were naked at that time. And then what happened? And 
Oh, I just then went into this amazing study and I began to look up all the Hebrew words and then all the Greek words for clothing. Oh my, I, I was just amazed. Could I have time for a moment to just tell about oh, the yes. beginning one? I'd love to know. Yes, just the very beginning. Well, we know that at the very beginning, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, that in Genesis 3, 7, it says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, they did pretty good, and uh, aprons really is a word that means to gird yourself around. Mm -hmm. So they obviously girded. Um, their loins, their reproductive area, and they put, uh, you know, these leaves around them to cover them. They knew that somehow they had to cover that. Um, and so that was man's way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't God's way. Because then uh, we move over in the story, and, and uh, then we know of how God came and, and how he spoke to them. And, and uh, then what did God do? He did something more than just make aprons. In Genesis 3.21 it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. We have two different words there for clothing. And these are the very first words that God uses for clothing. Now, in studying the scriptures, there is a very important law to remember, and that is the law of the first mention. Whenever God speaks of something the first time, he is laying a foundation down for that subject. He will add to it and it will grow more in the word of God as we read more. But this is the foundation from which he never ever deviates. God never deviates from that law of the first mention. And so he made them these garments. Now, they were skins. Now, it's interesting that man did it with just putting some leaves around themselves. But God's covering had to come through the shedding of blood. Wow. It's only the shedding of blood that can cover our sin. And so God had to shed animals. It was the first time that they had been killed and blood was shed so that he could take the skins to make these garments. And so they had to be covered with the blood of Jesus. But then it goes wow. on to talk about these coats. Now, let's see, what was the word coats? Um, yes, let me see if I've got it here. Yes, this coats is a word that means to cover. That's the first meaning, to co cover. A skirt, a coat, a garment, a robe. And uh, then it goes on. Oh yes, let me have a look here. Yes, because that's not all of it. Actually, when we look into a Hebrew word, we've got to look into the complete root. And the root of that word means the shoulder, the upper end of the arm. 
the place from where the garments hang. In other words, the garment that God made, it came from the shoulder. Now that's very interesting. Now, God, of course, was the very first clothes designer. Isn't that amazing? I never thought of it that way. Yeah, God is a clothes designer. He was the first designer of clothes. Now, these clothes were made out of skins, but have you ever seen pictures and you see them going out of the garden with some kind of skins around their back? Have you seen? Yes. Oh, goodness me. I don't believe it at all. Do you think God, who all his works are perfect, the great creator of the universe, do you think he'd just put some skins around their back? No. No. He would have made the most glorious garments. I don't think there's ever been any leather garments like these garments that were made. They would have been incredible. They would have been amazing. We can't even even imagine what they would have been like. Because when God designs clothes, when he designed the clothes for the high priest, there was nothing more glorious and beautiful. And I'm sure he made these first clothes that Adam and Eve that were to ever wear, the most beautiful clothes that you could ever imagine. And he clothed them, but they actually came from the shoulder. Wow. Very interesting, because that is the Hebrew word. Now that, that just makes me think about something that we're all so used to. And I, want, I know you've got lots to say, but I'd just love to share this bit. It's something that we're all so used to in our day, and that is wedding dresses. Most wedding dresses today are strapless wedding dresses. They just come over the bust, or if they do, most of them don't. They're kind of hanging off and showing so much, which is so sad. And because there's so much the norm, that's all you go, and it's so hard. If you want to find something that is a little more uh, conservative, wow, you've got to really hunt. Because you go to a wedding shop, and they're all like this, so this is what everybody buys. And so the bride, she comes to her bridegroom. She walks down the aisle, bare shoulders, half her breast showing, to her husband and to everybody who's come to see her get married. This, a bride, is meant to come to her husband clothed. The bridegroom, it's his glory, it's his privilege, it's his intoxication to unclothe his wife and see who she is. This is for her husband. It's for him. And it's the same even in our marriage. Okay, we, we go to the bedroom, and uh, that's where we can unclothe. Clothing is to hide. The next Hebrew word that I looked at means 
to hide, to conceal. We clothe ourselves to conceal these beautiful special parts that are so glorious to a husband. But they're not for the world. What I are you saying? I, I, I've, that is so good, Nana, because I've been wanting to say that since I've been married, mm. um, modesty has become even more important to me yes. now yes. than it was when I was single. And I, I grew up in a conservative family and it was still important to me back then, but it didn't become so clear to me now that what, when you're um, married and you realize how intimate our bodies are and, mm. and the purpose that God had them for to be celebrated mm. in marriage mm. and in the marriage bed, mm. why would you want to share that with the world oh. when it's something so personal between yes. two people? But the world wants to take away something mm. that is so special and so personal for, for two people and they want to make that normal and expose it to everyone else. Mm. And so everyone is trying to normalize our um, body parts, which are supposed to be private between a man and a wife. And that's why I feel like some young girls who are Mm. still single and who haven't been married yet, they don't get it. And I wish I could explain to them, Mm. your body is for your future husband. And all of those other men that you're exposing your body to, Mm. they're someone else's future husband. Absolutely. And they don't need to be seeing your body. Mm. Yes. And they're spoiling it for other men and spoiling it for themselves. Yes. What it really comes down to is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if I wouldn't want someone, this girl, to very wear a very provocative outfit in front of my husband, why would I want to do that in front of someone else's husband? Oh, exactly. Yes. It's all yes. about respect. And mm. one of the things that people talk about when they talk about modesty, they say that, oh, modesty is all about respecting yourself. But Jesus doesn't command us to just respect ourselves. Mm. He mm. commands us to consider others. Mm. So it should really be about considering other people before ourselves. Mm. We should be considering our spouse and considering um, all of the other people who might stumble because of the way we dress. Yes. I, I often wonder, uh, you know, when women come out and, and they're exposing themselves, uh, you know, not fully, but just, you know, with cleavage and just totally bare shoulders, even going into church like that. I wonder, where are their husbands? What kind of a husband do they have that will allow them to go out like that? Oh, goodness me, no, I would never want to, but my husband wouldn't let me out the door. I mean, because he treasures me. I mean, a husband is to protect Mm -hmm. his wife. But I think men have just got so used to this. They also no longer know what is right, and, and, and they are missing out. Both yes. are missing out on so yes. much. Yes, my husband has told me that he he is so happy that I am a modest person yes. and that I saved my body for him Amen. because it's something special to him. Oh, and it's yes. something that's only for him. But if I was revealing my body to other men all the time, it wouldn't be special to him no, anymore. Exactly. Can I say one other thing that's really on my heart too? And that is social media. Facebook, Instagram, and people post pictures. And uh, sadly, 
often I see pictures that are very exposed. Now, uh, on my personal Facebook, I just have family and friends I know well. Um, my above Ruby's Facebook, I have over 100,000 people and I don't even know who they are. Um, but on my personal Facebook, um, I'm not having any Tom, Dick or Harry, so um, I'm not ever, hopefully ever going to see porn or anything like that because I keep it very private. But, oh goodness, my heart is grieving because even in that little realm, there are times when I see posts that are revealing. But what I notice even more, Meadow, is that then I see people who I know who like it. I know. Oh, that just grieves me. They like it. What? They like that exposure. They are then showing to the world, oh, this is what I like. We're exposing who we are when they're we like of it. stuff like so that. And I think it. when we mm -hmm. see something like that, even if it's our dearest friend, we cannot like it. We cannot stand with it. In fact, I saw a picture recently. It was so exposed. I, I wanted to get down on the ground with dust, with sackcloth and ashes. In fact, it's still so grieving me that I still have it on my heart to go out and find some sex and get out into the woods and intercede about it because it so grieved me. Mm -hmm. It's so exposed. And it's, I mean, it, 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 and it was exposed on social media. What? How can a woman do that? I know. This is how far we've come. But... Anyway, our time is gone, Meadow, but... Can I just say yes, one more yes, thing? Yes, do. When I, I know modesty is an important topic to me, but I don't want everyone to believe that I am pretending I'm the perfect example because I'm not. And even though we can all agree that... If, even if we all agree that modesty is important, some people might have different definitions of what that looks like. And so I have not always been perfect in this area, and my heart at times has not always been in the right place too. But I at least value this virtue. And mm. that is what I'm saying, that I want my heart to be in the right place so that I am trying to at least be respectful in the way I dress. So what I am saying is that even if we don't all agree on exactly what it looks like, we should mm. all agree that it's important to dress in a way that glorifies God yes. and to respect others. Yes. Thank you, Meadow. It's been so wonderful to have you with us today. And you, next Nana. week, we're going to talk together again. So just listen for next episode because Meadow's going to be with me again. But uh, let's pray as we close. Dear precious Father, we thank you so much that we can talk together about things that really concern us as women. And Lord, we pray that you will get a hold of all our hearts, that we will have soft and tender hearts toward you, toward your heartbeat. Oh God, to listen to you, not the spirit of the world. It seems, dear Father, that the more we're getting further away from you, the more uh, women are exposing themselves. 
Help us to come closer to you. Oh God, I pray for each one listening today that you will bless their lives and bless their families and just draw them closer to you. Show them more and more of your ways. Lead us all more and more into your everlasting ways. We ask it in the name of Jesus.